0: Meeting Tom Cruise is a production of the Dan Patrick Podcast Network and iHeartRadio.
1: We have a story later to tell you that we have not met Tom Cruise, but we have made Tom Cruise laugh. Whoa, whoa.
2: Ooh, okay, let's okay. Let's hold off, though. <laughs> Stop. Let's build some tension. You got
1: the big, handsome,
0: toothy grin from Tom Cruise. I love it.
2: <laughs> Tom Cruise is the greatest movie star of all time. He's the first actor to have six consecutive $100 million grossing films. He's shrouded in mystery, and yet to many is one of the nicest and hardest working people. We love Tom Cruise. We are inspired by Tom Cruise. And while we work in Hollywood, we've never actually met Tom Cruise. So we're going to talk to some people who have. We'll hear some great stories, and maybe, just maybe, one of them one day will lead us to the man himself so that we can have stories of our own our own stories of meeting Tom Cruise. Boys, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to not find the knock list or the rabbit's foot, but rather listen to this whole podcast and get your Ethan Hunt fix on. Welcome back, folks, to a very special crossover edition of Meeting Tom Cruise. Like SVU joining forces with the cast of Chicago PD, we here at MTC, that's our nickname, let's make it a thing, are joining forces today with the fellas at Light the Fuse to talk all things Mission Impossible. But before I introduce them, let's say hi to my benji dunn he's our simon peg with much better (laughs) hair he's joel johnstone uh joel joel listen quick quick question okay if if what role if the imf were real what role do you think you would like like what what would be your job at the imf printer fixer (laughs) just bottom of the rung assistant printer fixer. I feel like I would be that guy that you remember in those military movies where there's always the cool sniper and then there's the sure. guy that sits behind the cool sniper that has to like be like the wind is little, this little to the left little to the left? Little to the left. Yeah. yeah. But then immediately when I say that no I wouldn't because no, I'm 80 they would uh, no I'm no, ADD. They'd be like they Jeff
0: would... get off your phone stop watching Air Force 1. We're
2: trying to take somebody out. Stop watching Air Force One. It's so good. Have you ever seen him play a Russian before? I mean, (laughs) Oldman's just the best, even as a Russian. By the way, a lot of people die in Air Force One. On one plane, they murder a lot of people. Big body count. Big body count for one airplane. Okay. Also with us is the guy who dies first in every action film. That's it. He's our producer, Alec (laughs) Lev. Alec like really, I mean, just how fast do you die in a film? Like if they cast you the way you look right now with the the good shaved head, like no matter how old you look, you still look like you're twenty four. Like, do you, you just you're taken out quick, right?
3: Here's what happens you hear a gunshot in black. Okay. The picture comes up and blood just splats against the wall. Tarantino style. Yep. Clunk on that dead body.
2: Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. But yeah. not yeah. even facing up. <laughs> like your body's kind of turned sideways, so you have to say to your family and friends, that's me. I, I just quickly, can we just quickly talk about Tom Cruise having the best weekend ever? I don't know when we're releasing this, but it doesn't matter. Come on, you guys. How cool is it to be Wait, Tom Cruise? I don't
0: think I know. I don't what? think I know what you're talking about.
2: I love that you don't because Alec and I do, and and you're going to love this. Joel, Tom Cruise okay. started his day okay. by being at the Wimbledon final to watch Novak Djokovic win yeah. his 20th Grand Slam. Okay. He sat obviously very close to the, uh, the Queens box. And, uh, and he sat I like with, to sit next to the Queen's box. And right he next to the Queen's box. You know what I mean? And it's a big box, by the it's way. That's her majesty.
0: Watch your mouth.
2: Tom Cruise started his day okay. by attending the men's singles final at Wimbledon, where he sat with Christopher McQuarrie and another actor from the movie next to him. They enjoyed a great four setter where Djokovic won his 20th Grand Slam. And then Alec, tell him where he went next.
3: He just, he just uh, strolled he over. Just, uh, sky danced right over. To the
2: Euro finals. At Wembley Stadium. Yeah, yeah. 80,000 people. And who did he sit with there, Alec? David Beckham. No big deal. He's just there with Beckham. No big... Really? Okay, okay. That's what he did in one day. You know who else <laughs> did that? You know who's the other person that did that? The soon-to-be Queen of England. The, Kate. I was just going to say the Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. Yeah, it yeah. was just... Qu- Kate, I think we're not sure... Alec and I were discussing... We're not sure if uh, uh, Kate's husband... Oh, my God. I'm forgetting his name. What's his name? Barry. Barry. <laughs> Ted. <laughs> We're not sure if Ted made it. Oh, my God. Why can't we think of his name? William. William. It's Bobby and Paulie. Get over here. Oh, boy. Tommy with a great weekend. All right, guys. Light the Fuse, a fantastic podcast where they talk about nothing else but the Mission Impossible series, which we can all agree is probably the greatest series of all time. Alec might say Star Wars, but I'm thinking by, you know. All said and done, in another twenty years, just like Djokovic taking over Federer and Nadal, Mm -hmm. uh, that's what's going to happen here. Is uh, Mission Impossible is going to become the greatest series of all time? We got Drew Taylor, who's a film journalist, Charles Hood, who's a writer director. They've done over two hundred episodes. They've talked to some of the biggest names in the series, and uh, we should get right to it.
3: My name is Alec Lev, and I'm the producer of Meeting Tom Cruise, and today we've got a great crossover episode on these two podcasts here. Uh, Seated uh, digitally before me are four hosts with two podcasts, Uh, so we're just going to go around the room to start out to introduce everyone, who you are, what's your show, whatever you want to say about yourself, and then we'll We'll
2: get this, uh, we'll get the party started. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff Meacham. My co host here with me is Joel Johnstone. We're from the Meeting Tom Cruise podcast. We live in Los Angeles. Uh, We've been in actors in Hollywood for a long time, but guess what? We're in love with Tom Cruise. We think he's the greatest movie star of all time, but we've never met Tom Cruise. So, what we do is speak to people that have met Tom Cruise or can help us get closer to Tom Cruise. And today, we're here with another couple of guys from another podcast that are going to help us get closer. Right, Joel? I mean, they say misery loves company,
0: but psychotic <laughs> obsession also loves yeah, company. Yeah, totally. I'm Joel Johnstone. 5'7". Also actor. At, well, if I'm 5'7". Beautiful, majestic blue eyes. <laughs> Um I uh, I've known Jeff Meacham for over 20 years now. We met in the summer of 99 in, in Oxford, England, and it was love at first sight. Um we we began talking about Tom Cruise that summer because Eyes Wide Shut, came mm-hmm. out. that was the talk of the town. And uh, we have bonded over our love of uh, of, of Tommy ever since. And uh, that's all you need to know about me. That's
4: right. Hello. Yes. Hi, I'm Charles Hood. Uh, I'm a co-host of Light the Fuse. Uh, we, we talk about Mission Impossible, the whole franchise. We have different people. We've had many people on the show who give us great Tom Cruise stories. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess we're hoping someday to meet Tom Cruise as well. Um, it's, it's, Drew and I actually also met in 1999. No way! That we were, we met in high school, um, and he, uh, he had moved from Texas. I'm originally from Nebraska. We, we both went to high school in Connecticut and that's where we met, and uh, I'm a filmmaker a director I, um, I have a movie called night owls um, that came out about five years ago um, that's on Amazon Prime and uh, it's also on I think Tubi and canopy and then I also did a movie for Hulu called a nasty piece of work which is part of the Blumhouse into the dark series nice dude uh, yeah and I, I'm uh, Charles's co-host I
1: uh, my name is Drew Taylor and I'm an entertainment journalist and we've been doing this podcast for so long uh, how long have you guys been doing this podcast
2: well, we've only been- been doing it for what a
0: year not even no not a year has it been a year Yeah, not even yeah no we we, we found out this is
2: gonna be a thing last August yeah last summer so it's it really has not been going on that long but wait a minute let me ask you this question we always start our podcast by asking our guests uh tell me about their lives leading up to the moment that they met Tom Cruise for, but for you guys the moment you started Light the Fuse where did that happen where did that start the the, the idea of Light the Fuse
1: Well, it really started, I think, when we saw Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol together.
4: That's at least when the obsession started. Sure.
1: That's where the obsession started, and... Yeah, there, and then it just became like near near daily text messages about did you see the trailer? What is that? What are they going to do in the next one? You know, right? That moment seeing it in the IMAX at Lincoln Center, which is one of the great IMAX theaters I think in the world, yes, was yes. really amazing. And, and Charles and I were by far the most vocal participants of the two <laughs> p.m. screening of Mission <laughs> possible Ghost Protocol that we saw. Um, and then later that day, we went to a thing at Lincoln Center that Brad Bird was doing and we got to chat with him and it was like okay this is like we are obsessed with this movie and then uh, a few years later we started this and had no idea where it was gonna go but we have a story later to tell you that we have not met tom cruise but we have made tom cruise laugh whoa whoa
2: okay let's let's hold off though let's build some tension let's build some tension you got that big handsome toothy grin from Tom Cruise, love it. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine seeing in IMAX Ghost Protocol and seeing that sequence when the camera goes out over the Burj Khalif and does that wind sound. I, I, I'm already pretty afraid yeah. of height. so that must have just in my
1: memory. I remember us both kind of like leaning forward, like we were. You know, that's how immersive that yeah. was. So,
3: Drew and Charles, your 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 guest list is quite something and if people don't know you guys have spoken to uh, a man named uh, chris Macquarie and you've spoken to another man very recently named brian de palma i guess our question is what's their phone number <laughs> slash how the hell how did
1: you connect with these folks? Let's bring them in. Charles, let's... <laughs> and here's Brian De Palma. <laughs>
4: He's
2: your dad? That's not fair.
1: Uh, yeah, we've been very lucky to talk to many, many people associated with the franchise. Three of the five directors that have made these movies. Who are you missing? We're missing John Woo, which we've sort of given up on, but I don't think it's completely outside of the realm of possibility. And then J.J. Abrams, who uh, did not return our email, but that's fine. Didn't return it yet. Didn't return it yet. Yes, that's true.
4: That's true. We just got to get the that opportunity. It'll come. Some, Something will come up. We agree. We agree.
1: If he's listening to this, he can I'm, still... I'm waiting
0: for the guest. I'm waiting for the guest that we have that's like, Oh, wait. Do you guys just want to meet him? I'll call him right now. He'll
2: he'll, he'll do it. <laughs> so I don't want... I I wanted to ask other questions and beat around the bush and make this something a little bit deeper, but I'm not a deep person. Joel knows that. Alec definitely knows mm, that. Really not, Jesus. Have you guys yet on your pod done a, the ultimate ranking? And do you have a favorite Mission Impossible and a least favorite?
1: Well, I think our rankings change, but I think they've settled into a similar ranking, which, which Charles can recite right now, I think.
4: Yeah, I think... i think think drew and i have an identical ranking i think it has settled obviously (laughs) mission impossible two is the first that is our that is our our number six
2: okay that's that's easy i think that i think we can all agree upon that right like that's just simply agreed upon i do want to talk about mission impossible two in a little bit though at the same time
4: uh okay keep going yeah
2: there's some good stuff in that movie yeah yeah there's some fun stuff man especially with uh fire in the eyes of Duray scott it's maybe my favorite
4: moment of all time when there's literally
2: (laughs) fire in his eyes oh
4: that's right. Uh, our number five would be MI3. Okay. And then yeah. our number four would be uh, Rogue Nation. Wow. And then okay. three would be Ghost Protocol. <gasps> Two would be Fallout. What? And yeah. then number one would be De Prom- Brian Palma. Wow. I love you. You guys are purists. I love you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> I'm just going to write <laughs> off the bat say I
2: wildly disagree.
4: <laughs> well, that's the great thing is that there's so many great entries in the series yeah. that people have wildly different lists and, and, and the thing that I love about Mission Impossible fans is that they're so cordial with each other. There's, <laughs> it's not like other fan bases where they're like at each other's throats and, and it's like toxic but everybody's like, oh yeah, I like that one I like this one and there's no real fight happening.
2: I, I'm pretty sure we can all agree that the most toxic relationship has to be Star Wars, right? It has to be. Like, Star
1: Wars and whatever is going on in the D.C. Oh, yeah universe oh sure of course yeah all right jeff so count them down don't leave us hanging or just forget about it because i don't really care (laughs) well i want to know where your sort of where your list deviates
2: my uh, list deviates immediately at number five uh your number your number five is my number one i i think mission impossible three is the best one of the franchise i i think the the characters are the best um i think it's the one that was that that was that was the one to me that started it all. Do you know what I mean? One is is nothing like three through six. Two is nothing like three through six. Three, the J.J. Abrams one, is what started the, you know, Ethan Hunt would die and do these unbelievable risks. He's not a superhero like John Woo tried to make him out to be. And I think it's the best bad guy ever in Philip Seymour Hoffman. The best opening sequence that is just pure acting. Can I
0: jump in with that opening? That is hands down the best opening of the six movies. That countdown. Maybe maybe my favorite opening of any action movie.
1: Have you guys ever seen a show called Alias? Because there were about 25 episodes of Alias that began... Exactly like that.
2: No shit. See, I didn't. I didn't see it. And maybe that's the yeah. maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Me neither.
1: Oh yeah. And then we, we even found a recent creative screenwriting article where basically JJ and Bob Orsi and Alex Kurtzman basically said, Yeah, we had a bunch of ideas left over from alias episodes and we kinda stapled them all together and <laughs> put him into a movie
4: so it was like <laughs> it wasn't that it wasn't that blatant <laughs> of a quote but it was
2: yeah, yeah. they just erased wow. jennifer gardner's wow. name on a storyboard and just yeah. kind of like right in yeah. maybe
1: that's where sort of my part of my my jadedness for three comes from is, is having watched alias for however many years and then seeing a movie that was full of close-ups on actors in a 200 million dollar movie and uh <laughs> An opening <laughs> sequence that starts mid-action sequence and then goes back a few days, which is was a frequent trope of Alias. But um, please continue. I'm sorry to interrupt your uh, your ranking. Now. No, no, no. I but, lo- You're totally wrong. But please continue.
2: But I love hearing. I love hearing that 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 uh that would make sense. That would absolutely uh, dilute my movie going experience if I had watched Alias. That's incredibly informative,
3: Drew. Thank you. We're we're not. I'm sorry. We are not used to learning things. Oh yeah. On our podcast, <laughs> no. like
2: everything you said was so smart.
0: Alex, a little open. Do it, Alex. A little open to it. Jeff and I, we don't, we don't want to learn anything.
2: Yeah, you <laughs> lost me, Drew. I read. We, <laughs> you just said I read, and then I
1: was like, mm.
0: Jeff and I like the movies that we like, and all we want to do is just rewatch right. those
4: movies. We don't want to watch anything new, just those movies over and over. And over. I'm, am a firm believer in rewatching stuff. I think it's important to rewatch your favorite stuff. Oh yeah. oh yeah, understand why, why you love it so much. Yeah.
0: If Crimson Tide is on TBS later today, I will watch the whole thing with the commercial
2: immediately. Just immediately. We watch The Fugitive <laughs> just to put ourselves to sleep. Netflix has destroyed my relationship with my wife. I Right now, just last night, I finished watching Air Force One and then immediately went into Midnight Run instead of going to bed.
3: I will do a Midnight Run podcast with anyone any day, please. Yeah, I love, I love, that's
2: one of my favorite
4: movies.
3: <laughs> so Jeff, your list, my God, this is another thing that we like to do is take about 47 minutes to get through a, a list of five names.
2: And this is the problem. Alec asks us to be funny all the time, but then at the same time, he wants us to just keep moving along all the time instead of enjoying our lives. No, I just ask you to be done. Mute yourself. Um, guys, I'm going to go controversial on my next one as well. Uh, so three, I moved all the way to my number one. My number five is is the first Mission Impossible. You're insane. You're insane. Joel, it is my time. It is my time, young man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that. It's the original. I know how I felt when I saw it. So I have to, I do, I should put it higher on the list, but because I love four through six so much, I just can't. And then when I went back and watched the first one again, I was like, eh, I like Rogue Nation and, you know, and Fallout and all of them so much better and Ghost Protocol. So it's so hard for me. So I have to put it. Is that just sacrilege, Charles? Is that No, we've
1: we've found people that have, have disliked the first one. Quite a bit. Yeah. Why am I wrong though? Like, why is it so? Rem- <laughs> well, you're wrong because the the filmmaking is so outstanding. I mean, it is so insanely well done. The ILM effects are incredible. This was a creation of a character that had never entered this franchise before. Nobody knew it was going to work, and they right. knocked it out of the park. I mean, I just Danny Elfman's score. We we both
4: are so obsessed good. with. And I think the Langley sequence in the middle, right? The the, the Langley sequence is the set piece of the franchise yeah, that you're right. is still yes. referenced in movies and TV shows to yeah. this day. It's
2: the cover of our podcast. It's our I logo. Mean,
4: yeah, there you go. Like it is so iconic and it's one of them. I've like, realized recently, like it is really one of the most iconic images in movie history Yeah, um, because mm. it's still being referenced every day.
0: It's crazy. I'm revisiting a story I've, I've told in our podcast, but it's my favorite. I, I, it will not be replaced as my favorite movie going moment when he drops down from the ceiling it was the only time i've ever like i've ever heard a, a a theater so quiet it was packed it was opening weekend when i saw it and i looked around and every nobody moved nobody ate a piece of candy nobody had nobody had their finger in a bag like it was just like you know like like it was just everyone was in the everyone was invested in the same moment together at the, with the same
4: intensity it was amazing it's 9 minutes it's 9 minutes of silence basically like ving, ving rame's like whispers a few words but other than that it's just silence for 9 yeah. minutes and ving rame's
2: tension is so good in it too even not even being in the room like he creates Unbelievable tension.
4: All right. <laughs> we went to... There was a 25th anniversary screening uh, in May that we went to at uh, the AMC CityWalk, and there were people in the audience. I think there might have been a couple people who had never seen the movie before. Really? And the part where... At the end of the whole sequence, the Langley sequence, like you know, Jean Reno gets the disc from from Ethan, and he accidentally drops his knife, and the knife just goes and super (laughs) slow mo down, and people were just gasping. Uh, That is cool. Still, twenty five years later in the theater, it was
2: also insane to say twenty five years, a quarter of a century old. Like that's, yeah. I don't know what bothers me more that it just is that old, or the nineties were that long ago. Like that's isn't that bananas? Isn't that bananas? Yeah. All right, all right, I hear you, but I still, I, I will say this much. If you were to ask me right now, and I haven't watched the movies in a while, if I could tell you the plot of all the movies, the one I do forget the most is Rogue Nation. Why is that? Is that a confusing plot or am I just? Oh,
1: yes. I I cannot. I still cannot make heads or tails of Rogue Nation. Right. I know it's good. It's good. Yeah. But it's it, yeah. The details of the plot are the le- somehow the least consequential of any of the movies and the most confounding uh, as well. I mean, I think that. I think that Rogue Nation was kind drew, of drew Drew's been harping on this one for a while. Yeah. Yeah. This is a runner yeah. of our okay, good. of our <laughs> podcast. Rogue
0: but, Nation Rogue Nation is the is the underwater sequence, right? Am I Yes. I think in correct. a lot
1: of ways like Christopher McQuarrie was kind of figuring things out on that one and he fully admits too that they were kind of coasting off the goodwill of uh, ghost protocol and sort of as a ghost protocol sequel to it doesn't quite work either
4: I don't I don't have the same hangups on the plot of, of rogue nation I'm I I, I love I think I, to me the 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 my top four are like on a are like heads and shoulders above mi3 and mi2 so like even though rogue nation is my number four I think it's pretty it's not far behind Ghost Protocol in my Wow. List. Like, it's really, really good. And I, it is, it, it, okay, it is a little convoluted, but I don't, it, it doesn't, by the end of the movie, it all wraps up in a way that, like, I was able to follow what's, what's happening and, and, you know, it, if, if you asked me to try to sit here and explain what happened in the movie, it would probably take me a few minutes to gather my thoughts and make that happen. But I think I could do it. I don't believe him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now,
4: Commercials.
2: Wait, but let me okay, so hold on, because now I gotta go back to MI three.
1: But don't so do you guys like J.J. Abrams movies though? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we we're big fans of Star Trek uh two thousand nine, for sure. The
4: first Star Trek is wonderful. I think that movie's fantastic.
1: So good, right? Yeah,
4: that opening again, another opening sequence that yeah. just I,
1: there are decisions that undercut all the good stuff about Three. Like, okay, you have Dan Mandel, amazing cinematographer, did some really incredible stuff with Tony Scott around the same time, shoots the movie almost exclusively in close ups where the actor's face is so big it takes up you know, it goes beyond the the frame of the the film.
2: Yeah, Drew, but that actor's face is Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But then it's also, like, Jonathan Rhys-Meyers. Don't need to ever be that close to that that dude. He's pretty handsome.
2: (laughs) But I get you. The other thing
1: is, like, the Philip Seymour Hoffman thing Charles and I are always very sort of confused by. Because, yes, he is great. And he's obviously an amazing actor. And we miss him terribly. He doesn't get to do that much in the movie. He's only on screen for about ten minutes. He shouts. We don't really know what his objectives are. We don't really know what the rabbit's foot is. Yeah, that's the mystery.
2: That's the beauty of the rabbit's foot. No, I <laughs> I loved, oh, you're, you're like, I can already tell, Drew, you come from a filmmaker's point of view, which is something I literally don't do at all. So I get yeah, that.
0: Drew, you've actually done your research. Jeff and I just have opinions based on nothing
1: just because <laughs> we have opinions. Well, I mean, but the fun thing is that <laughs> Charles and I always talk about the most fun that Philip Seymour Hoffman has is when he's playing Tom Cruise playing Philip Seymour Hoffman.
4: Oh. Like the Vatican sequence is so yes. great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, the the whole Vatican sequence. When they open, the Vatican
2: is the best scene. When they open up the manhole and you just go, what does he say? Yeah. He's like, what's up? And he's like, yeah. nothing. What's up with you?
0: <laughs> and they actually went there and shot that. You cannot feel like the Vatican is an incredibly isolated, private place. You like the, the outside public. They had, to, they had to jump through so many hoops to go and film there. Wait,
4: they really did shoot inside the Vatican? Are you sure? Charles, you want to tell the funny story about it? Well, they, there, there are a few. They, they filmed a little bit at the Vatican. They also filmed at this place outside of Rome. I think it's called Caserta or something like that. So they, they had another place that stood in for the Vatican a bit. But there is a story about in order to shoot the Jonathan Rhys-Myers driving up in the van and getting out in front of the Vatican, they had a fake shoot uh, where they had nuns and girls in bikinis um, to attract the tourists Away from where they were doing the actual shooting of Jonathan Reese Myers driving up in a van. What? Okay, wait, 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 wait,
0: wait. Let's back this train up. <laughs> nuns and girls in bikinis or, or were the
4: nuns in yes. bikinis? It was like a fake music video or something. I don't know what I don't know what okay. The, okay. what okay. the fake my... project was purporting to be. You really had my mind spinning there. Quite a That's day. genius. That was the, I. Th- I know Maggie Q crashed the the Lamborghini, <gasps> or whatever the car she was driving. No, she, she didn't. didn't have a license, so that was the first time she was ever driving. But I think that might have been. I don't think they shot the that car at the Vatican. I think they might've shot that at the, at the place that that was standing in for the Vatican. Okay. But she like, you know, it wasn't like she wrecked it, but she just, you know, she, she ran into another car.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, I guess my biggest thing, and I will take this from an actor's point of view to me, the tension that all the actors in that movie create from uh, uh, you know Lawrence Fishburne's character. To I mean, I love the lip reading sequence. Too, I love the pendulum sequence. You know what? They infused sense of humor too into the into the franchise at that point when there was literally none in two and maybe a dash in one. But again, the only thing that I can make my argument was about is that if the franchise that we love, in my opinion, started at three, the Ethan hunt that is in one and two has nothing to do with the Ethan hunt. That's in three, four, five, six. Do you agree or disagree with that? Do you think the one and
1: one is similar? No, I mean, but he's, he, he, he did get to a place where he was in three. I think there is an evolution of the character through three. And I think Charles and I always like to bring up that they, they had no idea that the, the sort of bad robot, version of these movies was actually going to start with three. I mean, they were so self-contained, the other ones. And I would argue even that Ghost Protocol is wildly different than three. Right. uh, Due to the sensibilities of Brad Bird and his kind of... Yes. His interest in comedy, his sort of exaggerated
4: sense of action and suspense. Yeah, I mean, talking about humor, Ghost Protocol is the one that really... Really brings in the humor. It does, I feel. yeah. Because three is still pretty grim.
0: Did Simon Pegg enter with Ghost Protocol, or did he not come until fall? He's
2: in three. He's that's he introduced the rabbit foot, the rabbit's foot, in three. He's the one that tells the story. Right, 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 right. Where he's right, like, right.
0: okay, yes. Yeah, so he's. Been but there is a so lot of
2: humor there. in three. Jonathan Jonathan Reese Meyers character creates yeah. a ton of humor in in it. Like he's always got the little like, the, you know what? They're all bitter with their jobs. Do you remember that? That's the thing that they're all like, they're all like, he's like, all oh, like, I copy, all I do is copy, and all that kind of stuff. Like they're all a little and you get the wife character right. for the first time.
1: We like that that there were actual sort of comedic conceits that were guiding for though. I mean one that everything breaks is is such a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and the other thing that's that they really added in for that has mercifully continued is is Ethan screwing up and how funny that can be. Yeah. Yes.
4: Yeah, I think they finally got the character like and and how to put Ethan in those situations.
2: You're absolutely right. That's right. I forgot it right. started with the Russian prison. Remind
4: me remind me what
0: cuz
1: my mind is is where, where does he first screw up? Well, everything, everything breaks in four.
3: You were, Drew, Drew I heard you talk about this on the podcast. Who, who was it? I can't remember who it was who said,
1: I want to do a Mission Impossible where everything goes wrong. Where, where did that come from? That came from Brad Bird. I mean, I think that was one of the tenants that he sort of set out when he was approached by crew Right. Everything does break.
2: Yeah. You're absolutely right. The, gloves, the break, gloves break. The the When he gets the, when he gets the phone call, that thing doesn't work. The, uh, the, uh, self-destruct yeah, doesn't putting work. The, right.
1: You know, they, they get caught by the camera in the hallway of the Kremlin. Yes. You know, obviously the Kremlin exploding was never supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. They have
4: to do the whole thing without masks as the mask maker
1: breaks. Right.
3: Yep. Jeff did you finish your list.
1: <laughs> no but the next three it
2: doesn't matter because the next three to me are kind of interchangeable. That's my problem with the next three also is that.
4: I love four, five, and six. Well, I mean, there are people who who pick Rogue Nation as their favorite as well. A lot of I mean, people. I think a, a big a big reason for that is Rebecca Ferguson. Right. I mean, right. She is so fucking good. at Oh, that movie. right. And now,
2: it's now just, it's coming back to me. Now you got the Opera House in Austria,
4: which is a great yeah. sequence. That's the, right. The, the whole Ilsa character is just wonderful. Who found her
0: for? I'm like, I know she was a star already in Europe, but like, she she American audiences were somewhat new to her. Uh, with with the Mission Impossible franchise, who is responsible for putting her on the map?
1: Well, she was she was sort of a last minute replacement for a bigger name star who Do didn't we know work who? out, and we we are not at liberty to say who that is sadly on this podcast. So yeah, it was a little bit of a mad scramble, and and they came across her, and and what did what did uh, say, Charles, when he found her? Uh, I think they said she's Ingrid
4: Bergman.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely.
1: Yes!
4: yes. Absolutely. Which, you know, Ilsa, the character name Ilsa comes from Casablanca. Oh yes. my God. Right. That is
2: very cool.
4: Charles, go back. Give me, give me your, give me your, uh, Philip Seymour <laughs> Hoffman. Come on. This cause... is a little convoluted. My journey with MI3 has been because the thing that I, the other reason why I was hesitant to love MI3 is something that I love about the first movie is that it adheres to Bruce Geller's credo for the original TV show, Bruce Geller was the creator of Mission Impossible, and he always had the writers not go into their personal lives. And I feel like in the first Mission Impossible movie, they do just enough where, you know, Ethan has the motivation because uh, Kittredge gets his mom and his uncle in trouble mm-hmm. so he can be mad and he can be pulled into somewhat of a, you know, there's a personal reason to to be there, but where he's not running into the arms of his, his mom and his uncle at the end of the movie. And it right. still keeps up that tradition of What Bruce Geller intended for the old TV show, because in the old show, the writers, sometimes writers would try to bring in the personal backstories of the of the IMF agents. And Bruce would be like, no, 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 that's not happening. We're not doing that. That's not what this is. So I was a purist that way. And that's what I really appreciated about the first Mission Impossible. And I thought Ghost Protocol did a really good job, just enough of his personal personal um, life. And then Fallout happened and Fallout Blew me away. So, we started the podcast month, just a couple of months before Fallout came out, and then it was like a buildup to Fallout coming out, and then we've kind of just kept going. We sure. never expected that to happen, but Fallout blew us away. And the way that Fallout brings back the Julia story from Oof. MI3 and gives it this satisfying con- conclusion, yes, I think makes MI3 better now in hindsight. When I go back and watch it, now I care more about this story that I didn't really care that much about. When I first watched it, interesting. So that's sort of my journey for, with MI three and the whole personal story stuff. And now, now McCrory did it so well, and I was so emotionally pulled in. And it's also that's the thing with Fallout. I never felt like it was too much. Like they have those dream sequences, and you know, and then the third act, like you know, brings Julia in, but it doesn't ever feel like it's bogged down. And also, they use Julia in a really nice way. She's helping the team.
2: I love that she's happy and there's no uh, there's no sexual tension. They do a great job not giving us that kind of what I would call bullshit in that situation. Like, oh,
4: don't do that. And then like the other thing about three is like at the end, she's like suddenly picking up a gun. Ethan's knocked out and she's killing everybody. And I'm like, where's the rest of the IMF team? They got knocked. They got they left China before the third act. So it's like there's no IMF team in the third act other than he calls Simon peg which is nice but uh you know it, the movie the movie ends with mm-hmm. Ethan's girlfriend shooting all the bad guys and she's never fired a gun before she's like a you know a health professional <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a little, it's just like, I just like, and, and, then the other, and then this, wait uh, a minute. Are you telling me you don't believe the
2: idea that someone could be shocked back to life by ripping a wire out of a wall and then using that as a defibrillator?
4: <laughs> no, I actually, I actually do like the, we, we enjoy the moments when Ethan dies for several minutes. He dies in both three and in rogue nation for several minutes and then comes back. It's one of Ethan's special skills that we talk about.
3: It's not, it's not just Ethan. It's Tom Cruise. Jeff, do you want to, Yeah, are do, you, do you
2: remember the list? I do almost you guys, Charles Drew there have, we, we believe there have been eight films. If there's, I'm just doing this off the top of my head where Tom Cruise has died and come Total back to life. life. Total, Total flatline. Flat
1: I mean, obviously edge of tomorrow. Yep. That's the whole plot. Yep. Uh, right. Uh, Night and day is that one? He
2: definitely he's he's undead and dead. Obviously in a uh, uh, interview with a vampire because he's a vampire. That's oh, true. right. Okay. He dies. Oh, wait, you in- are
0: right about night and day. You are yes, yes, because he's in the seat at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night
2: okay. yeah, and yeah, yeah. day. I, th- I think there's he days. dies in Oblivion. That's the whole thing of his character in Oblivion is that his character That's has true. been killed and he comes back. Alec, am I missing what? Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. Vanilla right. sky. The whole Vanilla thing sky. is based around that, is also. that the, 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 the turn of the entire, the twist of the entire movie is that he has died and been brought back to life.
0: Far and away, he's dead. The credits almost start and they have to like push the credits <laughs> down to the bottom of the screen. Like, only, like the cameras come up to the sky and they're yeah. like, nope, psych. And they come back down. The mummy, he wakes up in a morgue after a plane explodes. The mummy,
1: he literally dies. The sexiest corpse you, you've ever yeah. seen in the mummy. Oh, yeah. he is... <laughs>
2: God. God, does that movie take a tailspin as just like in that sequence too. Terrible. Boy, oh boy. Um, so yeah, I think we just named them all. Very good, Alec on The okay. Mummy. Yeah, he, okay. he, has, he has died wow. in a lot of movies to come back to life.
4: So hold on. So yeah, let me, let me finish my convoluted thing. So another thesis that we had going into Fallout that we feel like once we saw Fallout it actually solved this problem is that all of the Mission Impossible movies have kind of smaller, they like are sort of pyramid shaped and the midpoint has the best action sequence, and then the finale it's kind of disappointing in, mm. in a lot of the Mission Impossible mm.
2: movies. Four is definitely like that. You don't really care about that car sequence. The carport sequence is surely right. not as the best. as much
4: as you do D- Dubai. And like, yeah. you know, there's some charm to it. But I think, you know, McCrory solved that in Fallout. And then the finale of Fallout is like, he's got the whole team working together. Amazing. And it's this huge, epic, amazing sequence with the helicopters. And it's fucking mind-blowing. Yeah. But then I think especially with MI3 mm. and in relation to Philip Seymour Hoffman, He's not even, he's barely in the climax because they bring in this other villain and it's just like he gets into like a small little fist fight with Tom Cruise and then just gets hit by a truck and that's the end. Which is a really good sequence. That's going back to what Drew was saying. Like he's not really in the movie that much. And like, yes, he's great in the scenes that he's in, but I wish there was more for him to do.
1: We've also found out through doing almost 200 episodes that there were some there were probably some physical limitations that Philip Seymour Hoffman had that maybe kept him from, you know, hanging off of a helicopter or something in the third act. You're telling me he can't run a 440 the same way Tommy can? (laughs) (laughs) Toe to toe, I think he would lag is what I'm telling you. Yeah, we'll never know.
0: I disagree and we'll never know.
2: (laughs) That's a problem that they actually have in a lot of action movies. And the first one that comes to my mind is Quantum of Solace when he has to fight, he has just kicked everybody's ass. And then that's, because remember a lot of the bad guys in these movies are always very strange looking, talented, talented actors that are probably from some like Nordic country. Right. And they're little guys and they have weird faces and amazing voices. Right. Like that is the talent of a lot of these bad guys, but then to get them to fight the main bad guy, you're like, "Mm, wait a minute. So they (laughs) always have to create a little moment where somehow they get the upper edge. And that happens in quantum of solace, whatever that bad guy is in that whole movie movie when he fights him at the end you're like no james bond can fucking destroy this guy with his that, pinky that
0: dude who's a hundred pounds
2: sopping wet <laughs> yeah against yeah yeah who yeah. has literally not worked out a day in his life you also, know
3: john wick and i know our, our friends here made uh some spin-off episodes uh light the wick which i assume you made just because you came up with that title yeah did the title come first or the
2: idea because well, it's genius
1: <laughs> we, we we felt that the john wick fa- franchise was sort of spiritually similar to mission impossible in the sense that it is anchored by a single very charismatic actor who performs many of his own stunts, with an emphasis on practical action and that kind of uh, old school oh. filmmaking. So we thought there was a lot of fun crossover there. You can tell us if we're wrong. With them, they have the opposite problem with the,
3: with the bad guys, where like those guys with the swords in the big glass. There's
2: no way John Wick big lives. glass fight. Like, no way. Clearly they would murder Keanu Reeves in the face a hundred times. Five points. The last guy he fights in, in John Wick 3. That actually took me out of it. I was like, that's impossible. His (laughs) lactic acid has built up at this point. He can barely (laughs) lift his shoulders. There's no way he's beating this guy.
4: Well, the crazy thing about John Wick, too, is that those three movies take place over the course of like one week. Yeah. Yeah. So like, not only is it like it's Keanu Reeves against those amazing, you know, extremely skilled fighters. He's also been fighting nonstop for for a week week through three movies. He's pretty tired. I would guess. Dude. I, I I just, I took a month off because I just
2: went on vacation, got fat and just came back to my uh, personal trainer. I did deadlifts today. I can't sit on a toilet. Like (laughs) you're telling me that John wick can make it
4: through It's ridiculous I want to plug another miniseries we're going to do Because we're going to do Top Gun Maverick And when that movie comes out Assuming it goes well, we are going to hopefully do it But the reason why I want to bring it up Is because it's another terrible pun So that's why I wanted to bring it up It's Light the Fuselage Mm.
2: Oh, Oh, You guys are good Love Love it You guys are good. That's I would have just been like, late the Maverick." Okay, I don't know. Hey,
0: Jeff. Um, thanks for asking about
2: our list. Joel, it's your time, buddy. Your time. Go ahead. You have a list. Oh,
0: now that we're now that we're out of time. Thanks. We're Jeff. not What's out of time? time. Are we out of time? Thank you.
2: We're fine. <laughs> Joel, I'm sorry, Joel. Do you have anything that's shocking about your list?
0: Oh my god. Thank you, Jeff. I had no idea you would ask. That's such a surprise. Um. Uh. In fact, I do. Here we go. Uh, obviously two's at the bottom. Two's, two's, two's one of the worst. I'm gonna put Legend and MI2 as like the black stains on Tom Cruise's uh, uh, otherwise impeccable resume. So two, 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 two's at the bottom. Now I'm gonna say my two through five, I could interchange any given day. Today, I'm gonna say <laughs> Ghost Protocols number five.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Then I'm going to say... <sighs> Jesus he has not Christ. worked hard on this list, boys. <laughs> not going to lie, this is why we I'm, we're sorry we saved Jesus
4: him for last. Christ, I apologize, guys. Ghost Protocol. You said Wait, Ghost Protocol what? already. That's Yeah, thinking. no, no, no. Mobile. It can't be also four. Am I
0: no, no. In my mind, I can only think of five right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say number, number seven, even though I haven't seen it yet, is number four. Uh, seven and eight is my number one.
4: <laughs> Never no, mind.
0: Um, look, my top three. Let me just get to my top three. Yeah, Fallout please. number three. Mission Impossible 3 is my number two. Mission Impossible 1 is my number one.
1: There you go. All right. Good man, Joel. <sighs> That's cool. Good man. Guys are ridiculous. Although this Ghost Protocol being at the bottom is pretty pretty egregious. I know. Oh, I agree. I, I, I liked, I liked, uh, Um, uh, what am I, uh, what's number five called?
0: <laughs> Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. I like Rogue Nation better than Ghost Protocol. How did I do? Did I, did I ace it? Why don't we, st- guys, when we edit this, let's all start with mine.
4: <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no wrong answer. That's the thing. They're all they're they, they've got six so, like the very least solid entries. Even 2 has got some really cool stuff. In well, it.
1: well, here's the thing. Rogue Nation does not have the Burj sequence. Charles
4: and I always just talk about how the Burj Khalifa sequence is just
1: the most amazing thing. I mean, besides the kind of the the uh, Langley sequence in the first one is maybe the highlight yeah. in terms of set pieces Agreed. of the entire franchise. I think even
4: yep. McCory said in our first interview with him, he brought it up and said like he was mad at Brad. For being able to do that sequence because he wishes he could have done it because that's just like, how do you get better than the tallest building in the world?
0: You attach yourself to a plane and you put contacts that are bulletproof in your eyes and you hang the most expensive movie star on the planet off the fucking
1: plane. Well, the thing about the plane, I would argue, is the plane is a scene and the Burj is a sequence. It is a it is. It is its own, you know. It's it's got its own hills and valleys and emotional contour. I mean, that sequence is really amazing.
4: Yeah, everything about it, like through there's the you know the the part where they're they're doing the con on on both floors of the you know, and then yeah. do the shot that goes through the floor, and there's also the the chase the the foot chase through the sandstorm. I mean, the whole Dubai sequence is just. Drew and Charles, can I ask a question? Uh,
3: what we, we? No, this is, Jeff. This is a good question. All right. This is about Tom Cruise. All right. Okay. Jesus. Here we go. We, we've we learned a lot, we feel, about Tom Cruise by by talking to people who not only have worked with him, but truly love him and have really incredible things to say. I'm wondering, what have you learned about Tom Cruise as a producer, as an actor that was surprising to you through these 200 episodes? Is that okay, Jeff? Was that all right?
2: I actually like that question.
1: Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> I think our big takeaway, and Charles can jump in and if I'm wrong, is that... His commitment to kind of like excellence causes every single person on the crew, no matter what department they're in, to try to elevate their game to match yep. his enthusiasm and his commitment and dedication um, and sort of expertise. Uh, we, we recently heard this story, Charles. I forget who told it uh, about... You know, there was somebody hanging off of something. And so Cruz said, I need I need to have a a set of stairs made. And in like 45 minutes, there were stairs that these guys had just put together to try to, you know, facilitate. And it wasn't even
0: a film set. He was just out at a cafe and somebody was hanging (laughs) off a building because I got to save the guy. Somebody build me some stairs.
1: I imagine he takes that that passion everywhere he goes. So, yeah, maybe Benito Martinez
2: told us that at one point into a sequence, he was just kind of looking up in the sky and he was like, you know, we need let's get another plane to fly by. Yeah. She's going to be like, he went over to Doug Lyman and he was like, I want another, let's just get another giant plane to fly by. And they were, they were flying
0: that day. And that so day. like, you can't just get a plane. You have to create a flight pattern and like get another pilot and all this, you know, and like <laughs> 10 assistants were like, uh, okay. You know, scrambling to find another plane and a pilot and a flight, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I heard a story before I started the podcast, I was doing a thing for the mummy in New York and Jake Johnson told me about how they he had this, you know, special workout room set up for that, probably that nude scene when he wakes up from the dead. And, you know, he and Jake Johnson were working out on it. And it was a circuit, you know. and, and Jake Johnson got jacked for that movie. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so, so they both started at the same point. And, you know, a few... A few uh, stations down, Cruz is, like, waiting for Jake Johnson to hurry up because he's already lapped him, you know, on this circuit of (laughs) workout machines. So, And he's got, what, 20, 25 years on Jake Johnson?
2: Oh, Oh, yeah, easily. I think he'll be
1: over 60 when the next, uh, when 7 comes out.
2: He just turned 59.
1: Yeah. He just turned
2: 59. Do you, um, what do you guys know about 7 and 8? Are they... Is it kind of officially announced that they are the last two, or what's the what's the word on that?
1: If they haven't announced that it's the last two. We think that that he might sort of step down from being the guy hanging off of planes. Okay, you know that maybe he could transition to being like more of the Alec Baldwin character or something, mm. um, or maybe just even doing less physically demanding things, but. I mean, I, I don't think the franchise will end. Maybe this will be his, the, his last two.
4: Yeah, I would think. I would think he would want to. I mean, we don't. We don't know. This is pure speculation. But I would think he would want to keep producing them, whether or not yeah. he's in them in a smaller role or or what. Or maybe they transition. I mean, when we started the podcast, we were talking about how it would be cool if, as he gets older, they transitioned them into a little bit more like the first movie there were a little bit more like low lo-fi spy thrillers or something and he still did them as an older actor but i don't i don't it really does kind of seem like with this seven eight that it could be an ending of some sort but we don't know
2: well that's the thing i mean that's the great call right there is and i love i love to speculate because you know that the studio needs to make that money i mean paramount is depending on this like nobody's business but that is a great idea is to take them Why not? If you're going to make this many movies, why not make MI-11 a little spy thriller and make it much smaller for a a, a small period of time? You know, it's like from
0: the creators of Nomadland comes Mission Impossible 11.
1: Right. (laughs) Well, we've said that there is a lot more elasticity in this franchise than I think that Paramount has given it credit for. Mm. I think you could do a lot more things and, and bring in a lot, you know. Different tones and genre, and and I think Charles and I would love to see them go back to the the one director each installment. To see, have those different points of view yeah. and those different artistic sensibilities come into the franchise.
4: I th- another thing we talk about too that I think would be cool is if they did like a Paramount Plus miniseries or something, and just did like g- give Maggie Q and Paula Patton an IMF team and just do a Mission Impossible. Yes, for two of them. Yeah, or have like a different team each episode or something, and just do. And then you can have different directors do eight episodes or something, you know, and just have each one have its own kind of little mini Mission Impossible. Charles,
3: it's so clear why they are able to focus on the Mission Impossible series. They're able to focus on something
2: on their and they agree upon things. I like that they agree.
1: How we can't focus? We can't even focus on Tom Cruise. Well, do you want to hear our Tom Cruise story? Oh, yes. uh, Jesus, I'm trying to keep this this thing on the rails because I know that we. <laughs> good luck, good <laughs> luck. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys saw this video that Tom Cruise made last summer where he went and saw Tenet in the theater. You yeah, of course. It? Yes.
2: yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he was. Yep.
1: Well, Charles and I, being very bored, Charles said, "Let's do that let's remake that short that that little video when we go and see Mission Impossible for the 25th anniversary." So we made a shot-for-shot remake of that. Short film Ooh. with me as Tom Cruise going to see Mission Impossible.
4: And then, Charles, you want to take it away? What happened after that? We posted it and people were sharing it and they were tagging McCory and Cruise in it. And then we heard uh, from, should we say who we heard it from? Or yeah, it just... you can say who.
1: I think we could say who we heard it from.
4: Well, so McCory messaged us um, and said, hey, just so you know, uh, I wonder if I should get the exact wording, but he said something like, um, just so you know, I shared your video with Cruz, and he was in stitches.
0: Dude, you guys, <laughs> that's awesome. That's guys, a big
4: deal. You guys, like, that's
1: it's pretty funny.
2: That's half the battle, right there. Yeah. Do you guys have the love for Cruz that we do, or is it just the love for Mission Impossible?
1: No, we have a we have a very strong love for Cruz. Okay. But that maybe has predated our dis- even discussions about Mission Impossible in this depth. He is amazing. I can't wait for him to... Part of me wishes that he he will kind of get the Mission Impossible stuff out of his system so he will go back to the more kind of auteur-driven stuff. The 90s. Charles and I always talk about how interesting it is that he worked with all these kind of luminaries, and then he started working with more young, sort of up and comers in, yep.
4: in his 40, in his forties and fifties,
1: right? And giving people like JJ, yeah, and- that
4: was the pivot point was Mi three with JJ, yeah, because right before yeah. that he was making movies with Spielberg and obviously yep. Kubrick and Paul Thomas Anderson and
0: we did yeah he did he did Jerry Maguire, Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia all in the span
2: of like three years. And don't forget all the directors he worked with in the late 80s. Every film he worked with
4: from Rain Man on. Coppola, and, I mean, everybody. Everybody. Levinson, like Rob he, Reiner. Every, I mean, it was it was everyone. Neil Jordan. Yeah, and then so, re, MI3 was kind of the turning point where then from then on, he was kind of more of a producer and working with directors who were not on that same... Kind of level it seemed like he was like it seemed like he was kind of giving himself over to them more, and then he became more creatively involved. I mean, maybe that's just my over. No, I,
2: I, that's funny that you say that because I read an article and I brought it to these two guys that somebody said that Tom Cruise has uh, uh, two two careers. The first half is uh from his first movie up till mi2 mi2 is actually the turning point of the 20 year span where he goes from the uh dramatic rom-com you know uh call it serious actor or whatever you want that to be that 80s and 90s crews and then the 2000 uh, to 2010s which is the perfect you know 2000 is where mi2 is where he becomes more of the action star and the producer and you get the big huge budgeted film so i don't know what do you think of that
4: yeah that's actually that's that works too. Totally.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the experience on Eyes Wide Shut, I'm sure, was creatively invigorating for a lot of reasons. But I'm sure it was just as frustrating and, you know. Yeah. So I feel like that was really the thing that maybe broke, like, like serious artist yeah. Tom Cruise. Although he did do Magnolia right after. So he wasn't completely... But they shot
2: that for 11 days. Yeah, right. I think it was 11 yeah. days. Is the yeah. quote. I mean, he yeah. literally was a guest star. He was in and out.
1: I think that these these new relationships he has forged with people like Kaczynski, who I really... Admire admire a lot and doug lyman are are super interesting too that he is maybe maybe it's also in terms of pushing himself physically he has to kind of depend on people who he knows and trusts in a way to kind of make sure everything is buttoned up because there is so little room for error but i think these kind of new relation you know he's about to do another one obviously maverick was with kaczynski the space movies with lyman
2: yeah it's the same three yeah. He uses these guys. Yeah, that's a very good yeah. point.
1: Now, now we we've, you know, we've built our podcast around one
3: day meeting Tom Cruise. And I've asked Joel and Jeff a hundred times what they will do when they meet him and the answer is some form of crying and convulsing and, and fainting yeah. and
4: getting arrested for one thing or another. And I, that's what our podcast is building towards. I mean, similar to yours. I mean, we're building <laughs> towards hopefully meeting Tom Cruise and, and interviewing him. Wait a second.
1: So it's a race.
4: Guys. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> Just like what's happening right now.
1: Yes, it is a race.
2: With crews trying to get to space. Yeah, just it's a race, race, but
1: we started two years ago. Yeah, they started, you, you got a head start, but we got,
2: Jeff, I don't know what makes
3: up
0: for your head start. <laughs> His pathological obsession.
2: Well, I'll tell you this much, and I mean this i mean this from the bottom of my heart. If either one of us, I know on our end, you guys are fantastic what you do. I've listened to a few of your pods already. I hope, I really hope that you get them. I really do, because you yeah. guys yeah. Yeah. run Likewise. some great interviews.
1: All and
0: jokes aside, seriously, yes. You guys no, know what right you're doing.
1: Right back at you, and I think that on both of our parts, he, re- he is a person with boundless enthusiasm, yeah. and I think he will appreciate people who have similar passion for him and his work. And, and everyone yeah. has said that to us. No one has said... Uh, stay away from him, which is definitely what you could
3: imagine many of his closer (laughs) friends would have advised. But everyone seems to be saying, you know, he would, and we had, uh, you know, uh, Joel, tell him about Kevin We are Our our closest brush with Tom Cruise is a Kevin Pollack story, and then our next closest brush will be with a man named Craig O'Brien. If you don't know who he is, we'll we'll tell you about him in a second here. So, Joel, what happened with Kevin?
0: I work with Kevin on uh, on Maisel, and, and Kevin was gracious enough to come on and was just, you know, just... Gave us uh, nothing but amazing stories, and but he before he came on, he texted Cruz that he was coming on to do this, and 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 he told me, and he let me know, he was like, not only have I met Tom Cruise, but I am your first and only guest who texts with Tom Cruise to tell him about you, and his his response was nothing short of.
2: Cruise enthusiasm. Cruise enthusiasm. <laughs> we got, we got, we got the cruise enthusiasm for our pod. You know,
0: we were like three or four months into doing these, and Cruise already, you know, knew about it. So we were. He's that, aware of your show. That's he's nice. aware of our show. Yeah. Yeah. He's aware of it, and that was we were. that's awesome. Really, really excited. And about then that our, piece our of Mission years.
3: Impossible story, Jeff. Maybe you want to tell. I don't know if you guys heard. We did an interview with someone who will be our next closest brush with Cruise and closest brush with death.
2: Jeff Craig O'Brien, who was the aerial cinematographer that filmed the famous uh, Halo sequence in uh, MI6 and jumped out of an airplane with him 100 plus times. Uh, he was like, uh, yeah, man, why don't you guys jump out of an airplane with me and I'll film you guys doing it and we'll send it to Tom. And we said, OK, so, so are you doing that currently? We're Yeah, currently we're slated for the middle of August. And uh, I
1: don't think, Charles, I don't think we would do that. But I have been in a car with Wade Eastwood uh, driving at, you know, 120 miles an hour, which was pretty with who? Exciting. Wade Eastwood, who, who did the, uh, the stunts for five and six. Yeah. All
2: right. So with that, let's end with this. Does anybody have a theory on will, will Ethan Hunt live or will Ethan Hunt die? Because I asked that because this whole idea started with me 10 years ago, having this idea where, what if Tom Cruise said my character, this main character that I'm creating, Ethan Hunt dies And we were so upset. And then he was going to retire and never act again. Right. And so I lived in fear of that 10 years ago. He made up something that didn't happen and then lived in fear of it. I I shit you not. That is exactly right. I created this (laughs) weird world in my brain where this is exactly what happened. So here we are now. He's, He's going to be 60 easily by the time these movies come out. And does Ethan Hunt live? And does
4: Ethan Hunt continue on? I think it's possible it's possible that he could he could die at the end of eight, I guess. I you know, McCrory and Cruz are so in tune with what the audience wants. Yeah. Um, And um, they're very careful about that, even, you know, with all the test screenings they do. If they did that, they would have to find a way to do it where it's satisfying to an audience somehow. So I don't I hope I don't want that to happen, but I do know that if they do make it happen, it'll be in some amazingly satisfying way. I don't sure. want to I don't want a definitive answer. I I want to believe that there's
0: that maybe he's alive. I want to think he's dead, but there's a chance. So I don't want to see I don't want to see him die.
3: Let me ask a final thing because I want to. We're very we believe strongly in putting things out into the universe. We said two weeks ago, you know Rosie O'Donnell would be the perfect guest for our show and we just recorded with her so i want to throw out i want you guys to throw out who other than tom cruise who's your next mm. who's your dream guest that you have no connection to
4: no cheating like you're almost there yet <laughs> who do you have no connection to who's on our mount rushmore charles we got to palma and that was huge um that was really That's kind amazing. of just absolutely insane i, I awesome. it's hard to pick just one now at this point other than Cruise. But if I say pick your top seven, then we know what's going to happen when I throw it to Jeff.
2: Don't do that. We're just going to have to go into part,
4: part two and part three here. So <laughs> I mean, I think J- JJ and John Woo are the are the two probably biggest right. probably that we really want to get. We also want to get the actors. I mean, we want to get Rebecca Ferguson. We want to get Ving Rhames. We've had Simon Pegg on the show uh, at least in a group setting, but it would be great to have Simon Pegg in a solo. He would be great. Danny
1: Elfman, Hans Zimmer. Listen, everything at this point is just pure... Pure gravy. I mean, we we never thought we would do anything with this podcast. Oh, good for you so guys, the man! The fact that we've we've had this sort of encyclopedic, um, you know, compendium of the entire franchise week by week has been really special, and and every episode is just a gift that we get to do so. Yeah, we'll talk to whoever. We're excited to, to talk to everybody.
2: I like it. Joel, give one name. Who's your number one right now? Do you have a new number one? Um,
0: I, You know, it was just thrown out there. I just think he's so talented. A funny Simon Pegg.
1: We've only talked to him via Skype bomb when McQuarrie was giving out uh, our,
4: our Skype address for our 100th episode. No shit. He wasn't, he wasn't scheduled to be there. He just showed up? No, yeah. It was just McQuarrie. Uh. Oh! And then McCory, McCory was just like, just getting everybody to come in. So Simon Pegg came in. It was a total shock. I mean, ah, that's awesome. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, you should, If you haven't listened to the hundredth episode, it's definitely worth a listen because McCory was just having these people, Haley Atwell zoom bombed and closer <gasps> Lauren Balfe zoom bombed us. It was great. That's that.
2: great. You guys, that's Amazing. awesome. Um, I'm going to just name the most impossible because it's mission impossible and it's a perfect tie to everything, but we do want her. I want Nicole Kidman. I want Nicole Kidman. I, I listened to her on the Mark Marin podcast, and she talked in depth about Eyes Wide Shut and her experience doing it with Cruz. And I just, all I want to do is just see her face to face and be like, I, "I, there's nothing I want to ask you about your personal life. I don't care about any of the other stuff. Except your ex-husband.
0: I, I don't want to know <laughs> anything about your personal life, except, can you talk yeah. for an hour about your ex-husband? <laughs>
2: You guys, this was incredible. I can't thank you enough. Um, this, is, this is a dream come true to be talking about crews with experts like you wow. guys. So congratulations we're on experts, your but run. We
1: are certainly as enthusiastic as you guys.
2: Well, you do a lot more research than Jeff and I, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> well, they do
3: research.
0: So <laughs> period.
1: <laughs> well, we'll talk. We'll talk when the trailer drops or, or when uh, when Top Gun comes out or something. We'll come back.
3: We'll be right back. And that wraps up another episode of meeting Tom Cruise. Now there's something I want to bring up to Joel that Joel doesn't know that I'm bringing up to him. And that's what's so much fun about it is during our interview with Vanessa Shaw. Uh, I was point, awesome. J- <laughs> Are you going to bring up how <laughs> well, awesome I was that's, constantly? Uh, that's, uh, uh,
2: uh.
3: Okay. Uh, Joel thought it was very cute when he and Vanessa started singing together. Specifically, they were singing the theme song, a the theme song to Top Gun. And Highlight of the episode. I want you to. Okay. I want you to pay close attention to what Joel actually said while he was singing.
1: I went to the danger da- zone.
3: Yes, he said, I I went to the danger zone. Jeff, is that the lyrics?
0: The <laughs> no, song? Joel Johnstone. It's highway to the danger zone. Not
2: I <laughs> went to. No, man. Highway no, to no, the no, danger. No,
0: no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm looking at. He's googling. He's googling furiously, guys. Okay, okay. Listen up, assholes. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. i just hot. I'm I got Joel's it up hot. in front of me. I okay, hang on, hang on. First yeah. of all, I like my version better. Okay. I think Kenny Loggins is gonna rewrite. Okay. Second, here it is. Here okay, here it is. Second refrain. Okay? Yeah. Let's yeah. let's analyze this. Okay, let's go, analyze go, go, this. Second go, go, refrain. Go Highway to the danger zone. I'll take you right into the danger zone. He 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 dips into the first person. That's why I thought he's he's the storyteller. He's telling it from the first. Hey, I went to the danger zone. I'll take you into the danger zone.
2: You sound insane right now.
0: You're insane. My lyric is better than Kenny Loggins. If I'm giving you directions, Jeff. If I say if I if if no, if I'm recalling directions. If you say how did I get to your house? Well, I, t- I took more park and then I and then I took a he's right. I'm-
3: singing a song, Joel. Do you think that? Do you think Kenny Loggins wrote that song in order to give someone directions to a certain place they were going? Do you think this is a song about Google Maps?
0: I think he's a generous man offering some place he had been and saying to, "Hey, why don't I take you to some place I've been, not some place the
3: highway has been?" He's just saying, "I want to hurry up and fuck," right? Isn't that what that Highway to the danger zone. It is not about
2: fucking. It's about making love. A. Also, is that really what the song's about? In a blue light. In a blue light. In a blue light. Is that what every song's about?
0: I, 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 Guys, guys, misunderstanding lyrics. I like if we. I would could spend a whole podcast on lyrics that I. I am positive are the ones the musician wrote down, and I am so dead wrong so often.
3: I. Well, but, instead of spending I mean, a whole podcast on it, let's spend one credit sequence, shall we? meeting tom cruise is hosted by jeff meacham joel johnstone and me alec lev it's also produced by the same alec lev
2: my high school girlfriend thought that dave matthews was saying um hike up your shirt little boy and show your world to me not (laughs) hike up
3: your skirt a little more and show your world to me (laughs) our executive producers are doug matica and dan patrick Our engineer and mixer is Alex Reeves for
0: Point of Blue Studios. Revved up like a deuce, another runner in the night. It sounds like wrapped up like a douche in the middle of the night. That's what it sounds like. Editing by Alec Lev with additional editing by Alex Reeves. On
3: Lionel Richie's All Night Long, right, and the chorus, it's not that I thought he sang this, but I would always sing... Lips are poppin' Bullwinkle. (laughs) I love it. Lips are poppin' Bullwinkle. Our music is by H. Scott Salinas and Matthew Atticus Berger. Speaking of those guys, if you knew the name of our theme song, Joel, you would have known the real lyrics to that song. It can now be revealed to the audience. The name of our theme song is Interstate to the Area of Peril.
2: Highway to the Danger Zone.
0: Artwork by Rebecca Montoy. A girl that I went to college with misheard. Um, Ruben, this guy with diamonds? Lucy, stop. Lucy,
2: you just said Ruben. It so, Jesus Christ. Ruben. Okay, 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 okay,
0: okay. I did know it was Ruben
2: Lucy. in the sky with diamonds. And I
3: did know Hey, you see Ruben over there? He's got uh, diamonds.
0: Executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. Lucy and this guy with diamonds. Misheard the line, girl with kaleidoscope eyes, but a girl in my college thought it was. A girl with colitis goes by. (laughs) Colitis? We are a production of Meeting So-and-So
3: in association with Workhouse Media.
2: Yeah, I always thought in the Queen song, We Will Rock You, he was saying, kicking your cat all over the place.
3: (laughs) Find us online at Meeting Cruise on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our website and show notes at meetingtomcruise.com and you can email us at contact at meetingtomcruise.com. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Five stars are much appreciated. And write a review. It really helps people to find the show, and we just might read it on the air. Meeting Tom Cruise was created by Jeff Meacham and Alec Lev.
2: It doesn't make a difference if we're naked or not.
0: Meeting Tom Cruise is a production of the Dan Patrick Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds.
3: I went to the...